You're listening to Design Talk, a podcast for conversations connecting design with theory, organizations, business, and impact. So welcome to Design Talk, and I'm very pleased to welcome Musa Afandeev, a founder and director of a creative agency called Agili Nagilar, based in Baku, Azerbaijan, and now studying for a PhD at UCD. Welcome, Musa. Thanks so much, Alan, for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. I've probably left out a lot of stuff there in the introduction. Could you uh, say a few words by way of your background, how you got into the creative agency business? Because you studied business at college, didn't you? Yes. uh, I called myself uh, as a habitual entrepreneur and marketing consultant. And I worked in this industry more than a decade Actually, I am 32 years old, but I have hands-on experience in marketing in more than 10 years. Uh, I, during my experience on the client side, I realized that there is a gap in creative side of the business. And I didn't, all the creative agencies in my country, it didn't meet our expectations. So I decided to find the right guy my right co-founder and start a creative agency in my hometown. Can I drop you for a second there? You, you're talking about creative agency, creative business. What is meant by that term? Okay, in, in, in our country, we call them advertising agencies in general. What you call in Europe, advertising agency, we call them creative agencies. Uh, but generally, it's a small market, small industry uh, in our country, and you have to deliver more than advertising, more than creativity uh, as a creative agency like marketing. You can do some digital marketing things. You have to do some PR and media buying within the creative agency. So Azerbaijan's not really a small country, is it? Yeah, it is actually, as an economy, I Yes, it's a small country. We have 10 million people living there, but for instance, in Ireland, we have less population here. But I guess the advertising industry is bigger than what we had in Azerbaijan. Or in Israel, for instance, they have also 10 million people living in Israel, but they have bigger advertising industry in their country. So we're contrasting there the, the, the national scene. Are there similarities between the Azerbaijani uh, marketing uh, creative scene that you can see happening in Ireland perhaps or in Israel? Uh, and how are they different too? In both countries, I mean, in Ireland and in Israel, they have more established market. But in our country, it is emerging. As I said, there is no sharp lines between creative agency, marketing agency, or digital marketing agency. In our country, you can see that it's a kind of holistic approach uh, in campaigns. One agency do a lot of job in the same time. But in Israel, as I know, in Ireland, as I know, they have sharp lines between these definitions and everyone do this one job in the same time. It's not that much widely spread to provide this holistic approach. Okay, holistic versus specialist. Yeah. Um, and uh, I presume when you talk about specialist, if a client needs a multi-stranded uh, initiative, they'll need to bring more people in. Whereas, So in Azerbaijan, you're talking about perhaps big agencies doing a whole set of services. 
Yes, generally big agencies provide all the things and if you want to work with the big clients, telco industry, in banking industry or in construction, they are also waiting for you to provide a holistic approach. You solve as a single source all the needs of the company in terms of marketing, in terms of advertising, in terms of PR and uh, sometimes media buying as well. And that's why even local independent agencies as well as the local brands, let's say, of global uh, advertising networks, they provide everything in the same time. They do media buying, they do PR, they do creative produ production sometimes, and all of these things, marketing, consulting, strategy building, those type of things can be developed within a single agency. This ties in with your own entrepreneurial journey. Um, how did you start and what did you deliver? Okay, we were two co-founders. My co-founder is coming from the creative direction part. I mean, he has a good sense of creativity. He can understand the local taste of people. He can create campaigns uh, based on the insights that we have from the client or we do some research. I come from, as I said, from marketing part. Also, I have some digital marketing skills. I learned some tools. I got some certifications, uh, how to use these tools. I have some expertise here. So we combine these two. In general, we try to deliver creative digital campaigns on social media or landing pages, specific micro sites or apps for our clients we delivered our service in the beginning like this i mean it has also creative part it also had some uh, digital part we work with biggest banks in the country for instance we thought that they had other demands other needs uh, for in terms of marketing and advertising so we began to expand our services we hired right people digital media buying people or copywriters or art directors. We began to add new services like branding, other type of design, UI design, for instance, or product development, digital product development, website development, those type of services we began to deliver to our customers. In the beginning, as I said, it, was, it has only creative part and digital part. We outsourced rest of them, especially the development part. Okay, so the digital uh, transformation gave you the sort of foot in the door and the niche, and then you found it was a, there were opportunities to expand across the board for strategy, for marketing, for branding. Yes, it's because uh, we started, it was just the year before the COVID, and in our country, people, especially brand side people, the marketing people, like face-to-face -face meetings. We have this mentality. Uh, I mean, it is very difficult to hire the biggest banks in the country as a remote company. You have to be there physically. You have to face them. You have to meet them. They hired big consulting companies like McKenzie. They came to the country. They start to deliver digital transformation, consulting to local banks in the country. So they have this mindset and it changed. They do understand that remote work can make sense. Also, technically, it was not possible during this COVID. 
and all these local behavior changed. And we used this change. I mean, our first campaigns was about COVID. So we communicated how to act as a country, as a company, as a people uh, during COVID. So we started to create online content. Uh, Why I call it online? Because it's directed online. We managed all these directions, all these productions online. We did all the things online. I mean, separately, we were at our homes. We never met in person. How did you solve the problem of getting access to people to deliver? You, you weren't able to meet your own web programmers and software developers, were you? Actually, in the beginning, it was very tough. But as I said, I have a background in marketing for 10 years. And within this duration, within this time, I had chance to meet a lot of people in the industry. So we had this trust before and we had these connections before. And we knew what to do. Uh, at least during this, let's say, crisis time, we had some crisis management plan for brands and we began to sell it uh, to our clients. So it's a right way of communication during this crisis like COVID. We also had database of freelancers or other people uh, in the country in production part, in digital part, in web development. We know them in person. Sometimes it was not easy to get high-quality content for them. Sometimes we asked other people to bring their devices to houses of these people, and they began to create this content by themselves with the help of the online direction. But uh, in the beginning, it was tough. But the only reason was uh, that we could solve it is knowing these people in advance before. And we had a working, let's say, experience before. So this experience uh, allowed us to to do more. And would you have brought in people you'd never met before? Had Did you move from just the people you'd known personally to people you'd only met online? Yes, we had those type of experiences, especially I knew a lot of people who are not living in our country. As I said, our country is not that big and we generally follow other designers, our develop, other de- developers in foreign countries, especially in the region, like Turkey or Ukraine or Russia, those type of con- countries. So we had we know their portfolios and we know their contacts. And sometimes we had experience with them before, especially in video recording. It's sometimes difficult to produce high quality videos for the large, biggest clients in the country. So how we solve it? We go to Georgia, which is a neighbor country. We go there because also cheaper. To produce this, they have good stuff. I mean, the experienced people living in Georgia. We invited some people from, let's say, Ukraine to Georgia. They went there. They produced this content with us. We also went there. We we do, do we did have those type of experiences. For instance, if you work with banks, you are trying to follow other banks in Russia or in Ukraine or in Turkey. Of course, we didn't have experience direct experience with them before, but we knew somehow uh, virtually each of us, and it it allowed us to create these campaigns. 
We talk about the need for clusters in industries, digital clusters in particular. Is physical still necessary? Do you still benefit from having a close media community? It's a very nice question that I thought on it for several times because uh, I believe that we need those, let's say, digital cluster or ecosystem in the country, but we don't have. It's because of the, as I said, the economy that we have in the country. So how we solve it currently, especially bigger agencies, they have digital marketing or digital departments inside of the agency. They solve it in-house. We had a lot of attempts to create digital agencies uh, in the country, and it is very difficult to survive in the market because of being niche uh, and specializing in one industry. Generally, we see that bigger agencies try to buy it and make them in-house team. So that that was the reason, or hide or hit talented people. Uh, that's why uh, it was not easy to build an ecosystem in the country because of this reason. And sometimes you need to be faster. And these collaborations in our country is not that much easy because clients want uh, their job to be done as soon as possible. We have very tough deadlines and uh, it is not easy to manage uh, this relationship within this time circumstances. Uh, but in general, it is needed to be specialized in one, let's say, vertical and to provide this service to other agencies as a collaboration. But now, as I said, we don't have this ecosystem. And the second issue, what I saw, what I observed in the market that generally people, don't, especially digital marketers, don't have persistence. They don't want to continue their hands-on jobs. What they do, they start to deliver courses or teaching these rather than working on it. So after working three, four years, which is less, I guess, to teach, but they start to deliver courses in different, let's say, academias and in different uh, training centers, and they don't have persistence. And that doesn't allow us to create ecosystem in the market. As you said, that is a kind of precarious economy, isn't it? Because work, uh, having a flow of work um, is, is good, but work tends to come in batches, so your income can fluctuate a lot. So I can see why uh, some of these um, uh, content producers and, and uh, suppliers uh, might look for uh, educational um, work to fill the lean periods. Yes, um, but the market itself like this, uh, it, is also, it is only possible to survive, let's say, as a freelancers. Uh, you need to have uh, some hard skills. Uh, like you have to know some video editing, for instance, or 3D design things. For instance, the main thing that we outsourced from other freelancers and we were not able to hire these people headhunt these talents because uh, they had very hard skills and it's very unique and everyone needs these skills like uh, making animation uh, 
But for other things, I mean, being digital marketer or content creator for us, or sometimes uh, designer sometimes, uh, it is easy to headhunt them, hire these people to keep them inside. Because of the market itself, as I said, that we have tough deadlines and it doesn't allow us to, to wait for the freelancers' free time. So it would be better to pay them all the months and to keep them inside of the agency. If you can sell your works on Fever or Upwork, it, it makes you possible to work as a freelancer because you have other source of income as a freelancer. You can work in a company in, based in US or Canada or in every part of the Europe, for instance. So it makes you competitive. So you can dictate your rules in the market and you can be as a freelancer for a while. Uh, you don't need to go the umbrella of one agency or two agencies uh, or the companies. For instance, after these digital transformations in the banks, they started to hire a lot of creative people in the industry. So if we started to compete with our clients in terms of recruitment. If you want to dictate in the market as a freelancer and if you want to keep your freedom in this sense, you have to have some hard skills. Perhaps then it's not such a precarious environment. They're able to supply a, an international market through Fiverr or Upwork or one of the other um, micro-tasking kind of services. Yes, the biggest advantage uh, being a freelancer in my country is that you can, you are the, let's say, cheaper supplier, and because the life standards and the expenses bills are not that much high in my country. In if you comp compare them with other countries, developed countries especially, so you have uh, some competitive advantage in the prices. So they also they are very talented people. So you have good results. You you have the excellent products, campaigns, designs, or whatever else the outcome is. But it's cheaper than the let's say average price. For instance, you have in Canada or Australia or other countries. The main advantage is price, and they have the not bigger differences in uh, the quality of work. Sometimes. For instance, for us, this market is Ukraine. They have very talented people and it's cheaper, for instance, to buy the artworks from uh, Ukrainian freelancers rather than to produce inside of the country. So do you think digital agencies benefit from being around each other, even if they're competing for the same work? Uh, generally, we don't have those type of things, but I saw in Turkey, they have specific regions that you see that creative agencies have offices there. In our country, generally, they we have few, let's say, landmarks, uh, working spaces. So some of them are there or some of them just uh, hire the house and rented house and they spend their time there. But uh, you don't need actually to be in the same street or in the same cluster. It's nice to be there, but in general, it's not necessary for us uh, to be there. What, what, what is needed? Sometimes, for instance, we attend 
in the same competition uh, as the joint companies. It's because the scope of work can be larger. One agency cannot manage to handle all of them. And we collaborate with other digital agencies or creative agencies, sometimes marketing agencies. We outsource sometimes from the same type of agency in the industry, but you just collaborate for just this uh, event for this competition itself. Uh, one of the recent examples I can give you that one of the biggest independent agencies in Turkey, they started to collaborate one of the local uh, agency in, our, in my country. So they, it is also possible to have these regional uh, collaborations f for just one competition itself because you have to be seen as a bigger player in this competition and so it is allowed you to invite someone from other countries who is a big player in their country and also well known in my country so we have those type of experiences in our country as well so is there a role for a, a lead designer um, or a house designer to sort of drive that or where does the leadership come from okay and generally uh, creative agencies have two type of directors. One, we call it creative director. Another, we call it art director. Creative director generally manages uh, the ideation and copywriting things, uh, all the reading things, and it doesn't require some, let's say, digital tool skills. But art director we have, uh, they manage all the designers. He's kind of, or she is kind of uh, team lead of designers. She manages all the style, design things, all the details uh, within the company, within the team as well. In your opinion, um, what size organization best fits the creative agency space? If you want to work the bigger players, bigger clients in the market, you need to be at least 15 or 25 people in the team and to make turnover of seven figures minimum for this turnover per year you need to be at least 15 sometimes 15 is very low to manage it but if you want to keep it boutique and to keep it niche yeah, it's possible to have five or six in total but in general what we have the normal size agency is more than 15 You've probably already answered this question, but if um, smaller is better, how do you scale up when you need to? And generally, what I did before I started with eight people, we only delivered, as I said, creative and digital services, but we scaled up our agencies vertically. So we add new verticals, new services to our agency. That's one of the way that I liked to do so, adding some development team or adding some digital marketing team, adding some design team, uh, hiring right people can help you scale up your business. I mean, at least in a sense of turnover, or you can handle the production part somehow. It also gives you extra source of, let's say, income and revenue. That's the best way, I guess, for instance, if you are in the beginning. But there are also other ways. You can also create 
some let's say ad techs or martech tools you can produce some products digital products to let's say enhance your services we also had those type of things for instance one of the agencies started their own let's say, pro- programmatic marketing tool they start to sell it as well or the, one of the local agencies had ai tool it's a kind of plugin for figma so it helps you to create uh, some let's say they use chat gpt and use they automate content creation part i mean it makes it faster cheaper and uh, more easier for people for designers especially so those type of attempts uh, help you to scale your business as a creative agency what do you see for the future for media agencies for the visuals and also the more art content than the text well, generally i believe that it will have huge impact on it uh, but it will not take i mean left us let's say jobless uh, in the end of the game um, because all the that's a prompt writing or giving the right direction it also makes sense for now i mean in our daily job as well the art directions makes sense more or creative directions makes sense more for us rather than the physical outcome itself so the people who orchestrate all these things all the campaign all these idea generation things they they will dominate the market so the, the winner will be who dictate or who can manage orchestrate these ai tools as well i mean regarding the let's say lower stage of jobs like specialists okay it's possible sometimes you can replace uh, your employees with ai but as a manager or as a leader or a director it is not easy that much to replace them with chatgpt or midjourney or other type of tools you're talking about the process versus the finished product the process produces a better finished product in the end yes exactly uh, for outcomes also it's applicable i mean if you look at the, how the, these tools work they use other previous works to generate a new tool okay sometimes for instance if you ask midjourney to create icons for some new tools they will use the previous icons that produced by human and you you don't see the good results for instance icon generation i just recently used it and trash in total and that's why you need a, in outcome as well you need some professionals you have people with hard skills who can let's say produce icons or can draw it even now the current situation of what we have in ai it doesn't solve the outcomes but in the future it seems that it's possible somehow to solve it but in general again you need someone to direct all these campaigns orchestrate all these works that that will be that will make sense i mean we we will see more smaller teams maybe we will see more smaller or solo entrepreneurs at the end of this game but for now the chat gpt itself cannot solve the serious things or serious part of the job for now even in my country for instance it's a, as i said 
as an economy, it's not a big country and we don't have a lot of works in language. So even with ChatGPT, you cannot understand what they create in Azerbaijani, for instance. I mean, it's nonsense. You cannot understand what it says. Maybe in English it is easy. Um, but for my language, we don't have data sets that much. And we don't have that much trained uh, AI tools that can produce creative ideas or outworks, outcomes in Azerbaijani. As I said, we don't have that much clients who use communication in English. That's why it's not easy for me to say that how the things work in English language. But in Azerbaijani, we don't have that much pressure and that people feel that AI will replace them. So back to that, the process is more important to produce a finished product rather than the robot because the robot's kind of boring. Yes, exactly. Process will define, I guess, in both English language and other languages that it will define the the past, how the things will going on. But what I see, you cannot easily replace your creative directors or art directors. Those people will also manage the AI uh, and they define the process itself rather than the outcome. As an entrepreneur yourself, you've started a business and you've brought it, get, get brought it to traction. Um, you've since moved on, but what qualities would you identify in others that indicate on, entrepreneurial potential? It's a very nice question. As I said, I call myself a habitual entrepreneur and who has studied, led, launched and promoted these entrepreneurial businesses for a while. And, and there are a few things that I would like to mention. First, I want to hire this terminology from my academic sphere. I call it gap spotting ability, which I, I in, in the literature, they call it ideation or idea generation, but I call it gap spotting. It's a ability that entrepreneur can understand what the gap in the industry, what the pain points are, but they do it by intuition or gut feeling. And that's the main thing that I see that they do understand what is the opportunity is and they go for it. The second thing that I uh, see is persistence. I guess it's applicable for all professions, especially in entrepreneurship. Um, in my country as well, they do a lot of pivots and they change their minds, they change uh, rapidly their pathways, which is very dangerous, I see. Persistence brings some success and I believe that the second thing, that's a quality uh, that entrepreneur needs. Third is ability to work with people, especially to find the right co-founders. Uh, I guess entrepreneurship is not something, at least for now, for me, is not a solo thing. Uh, I like to hire people with domain expertise. In all my entrepreneurial initiatives, I wanted to work with co-founders. For me, ideal is to work as two co-founders. I mean, three is more, one is less, and two is ideal for me. So, and I generally handle the sales part, business development part, managerial part, execution part. Uh, 
and my co-founder manage the domain itself, notion itself. For instance, if it is a creative agency, he should or she should manage the creative part or it's let's say product marketing thing. My co-founder should manage this product marketing thing or it's about the, let's say immigration, for instance, my co-founder should manage this immigration part, but the rest of them will be done by myself. I guess these three things, gap spotting, working with uh, right people uh, and persistence are the key three things for me uh, that every entrepreneur should have. Of course, there are other things like adaptability, there are other creativity, uh, the sense of humor, for instance. It makes sense for me that it makes entrepreneur better and better, but in general, these three is Three are for the mass for me. Now, that's lovely, uh, particularly the idea that entrepreneurship isn't a solo thing, that it, there's a team sport. There's always a team behind the entrepreneur and, and acknowledging that is so important. Yeah, it's, it's quite applicable. I mean, I, of course, we can see the one-person entrepreneurial initiatives in the market. They are a lot. They make millions of dollars. But in general, I don't, I call them freelancers rather than entrepreneurs. And uh, final kind of a, a counterintuitive uh, observation, your claim that persistence is more important than pivoting, I think uh, that that's a really valuable piece of advice to to hold your your vision to an extent. Yeah, generally what I do, I pivot within the industry rather than changing the industry itself. It's very difficult for me. If I work with, let's say, founders, and that my second, third, other, the next initiative will be about founders or entrepreneurs, for instance. I like to work early stage founders. I know their pain points. I know their excitements. I know their feelings. I know their emotions. I work with in general with startups during my creative agency, for instance, and now also for my next initiatives, I will work with these founders again, but from the other perspective, for instance, in a few months, I am planning to launch my product marketing agency. There, it's also for founders, or I wanted to launch a product, it's the digital product which helps immigrant entrepreneurs again it's for also founders and entrepreneurs so to be in the same domain uh, to use the same notion but from the other perspectives it makes sense for me and to be in one vertical let's say what you're touching on there is the notion that within the industry relationships with clients it's hard to establish in a completely different domain it makes sense more for me rather than switching the ideas, switching the industries, which is very difficult uh, to know, to learn the industry. Even you are not a domain guy and you hire the right person in this domain, but as a let's say execution person, you need some knowledge in the industry and you had to understand the people, their behaviors. I like to work early stage founders. I know their pain points, I know their excitements, I know their feelings, I know their emotions. I, I know my buyer persona. It could be in Azerbaijan or in Ireland. Well, we're going to be wrapping up, but is there anything else you'd like to say before we do? 
Actually, I would like to thank you for having me again on your podcast, and a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for talking with us and sharing your experiences, the learning you've gained, and I look forward to following your journey. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. The music used is Voltaic Fluctuations by Ben Prunty and used with his permission. 